welcome to Exposit the Truth. We are here to have the clear understanding of the Word of God and how to apply it to everyday life. Uh, so here we are with part two of How Good is Good Enough. And if you didn't check out part one, go back and watch that so you get the full understanding of what we are talking about on this Bible lesson. Here we are uh, with two passages of scriptures, Psalm 14 and Jeremiah 17. Psalm 14 and Jeremiah 17. And so the scriptures is full of uh, warnings from God to us about how we need to conduct ourselves and how we need to be aware and how we need to obey, ultimately to obey God's word. And it's full of warnings of not chasing after your own heart, thinking that you're good enough yourself. That, you know, that springs from the very first being that did that, which is Satan in the Garden of Eden, thinking I am good enough. I, I, I'm going to be like God. And so we have to be very careful about how we think, what we say, and how we act. And so here are a couple of verses, um, or a couple of passages, rather, that show, a couple more passages that show uh, how, you know, no human is good enough. We all most certainly deserve death because of sin. Uh, the sin that, you know, the fall of mankind started with the first sin of disobeying God in the Garden of Adam and Eden in Genesis, and then now it had, and since then, it has spiraled, and we see all sorts of con- the sin of, you know, of what people do to each other, and you say, how could they do that? How could they she, he or she do that to another human being? Well, first of all, you have to believe that there is sin and what it does to each other. Right? You have to acknowledge that there is sin and acknowledge that a holy God does exist and He is the only one to bring people to justice, to bring this to an end, uh, in which He will. And so the key takeaway here is, although we deserve death, the Lord Christ Jesus loved us enough to save us and redeem us uh, to redeem all those who love him. Although we deserve death because we are not good enough, no matter how much we claim to be, the Lord God has has loved, proven that he loves us and has redeemed all those who choose to love and obey him. And with that said, let's go to Psalm 14. Uh, it's a short, very short chapter. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Uh, quick note here, the fool in the Bible, this designation carries moral rather than intellectual meaning. So what does that mean? It means that uh, you can be smart and dumb at the same time, if you if you heard that saying. Uh, a good example is people who that have, have a gift of making money, right? So it's common all throughout the world that we measure success by how much money a person has, right? It's so easy to do that because you just look at the world and you look at big house, big car, right? Fancy clothes, whatever. But that's so shallow, right? It's so shallow. That person's spirit could be dead. And in most cases, rich people's spirit are dead. Um, and that's not too hard to find. Look at the celebrities that go through 
18 marriages and are still unhappy and miserable, no matter how much richer and fame they have. So it is not, when you, and I encourage all believers to really pray for discernment and look, try, to, try to see what comes out of that person's spirit and not their, their wallet. Okay? Don't judge a person by their wallet, but by their spirit, what comes out of their mouth, their thoughts, <clears throat> and their actions. So you can be foolish and be very wealthy, um, or, or even intellectual. You can be very smart. You can be book smart. You can measure, memorize a whole, you know, book or whatever, and know all many, many things, but still be a fool. Because when you say there is no God, you are automatically a fool. There is no wisdom in you. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is one, no one who does good. So there it is right there. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind. To see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And there it is again. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. Right? So they think they're, they're self-dependent all over again. It's a never-ending cycle until God puts an end to sin. But there, there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. So a quick side note for Zion, the meaning of Zion, the definition is the place on earth where God was pleased to reveal His presence, protection, and power. Alright, so now we are going to go to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, and go further into the study. Starting with verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. So prosperity is, once again, we're not talking about money and wealth in the world. We're talking about true blessings that last forever. Okay? So how do you know what true blessings are? When a person has true peace and comfort and you can see it in their in their face and coming out of them whatever they do that's that's how you know it's true prosperity and it can they, they could be in a, in a in a in a shack right in the middle of nowhere uh you know and live poor but have an amazing sense of peace and comfort that's how you see true prosperity blessings from god uh, not of man. Okay. So, <clears throat> that person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. 
They would be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So that that so so pause right there. That sounds so familiar to when when Jesus told the uh, talks about building the, the wise one who obeys his word, builds his house on the what? On the rock. Uh, versus the foolish one who builds it on the sand. When the wind blew, the rain came down, and the, and the waters crashed, the person that obeyed God, who obeyed Jesus' commandments, did not have their house uh, crumble. But the per- foolish person who did not obey built it on the sand, and guess what happened? It was destroyed, everything. Everything was destroyed. So, yeah, that, that's a very good analogy. Uh, once again, very good example. Right here in Jeremiah 17, once again, wisdom is obeying the Lord and trusting in Him. Verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things, and beyond cure, who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. So, quick side note, He's writing down everything we do on the earth. And so my goal is always, and I will say this and many, many, many times repeat it, is to put the fear of God in us and and you because that's what's going to save you ultimately. Being kind and merciful and forgiving all the time doesn't always save you. The fear of God is what will save you because that will turn your heart to repentance and make you realize that I am a sinner. I have been disobedient, rebellious, um, but I know that I need forgiveness and he has showed me mercy and so that I must, now I must choose to live for him. And so putting the fear of God, putting the fear of God on you is not a bad thing. It is the ultimate thing that will save you. So the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. I reward each person according to their conduct, according to what what their deeds deserve. Nothing is hidden. We can think all we want to and deceive ourselves that, I don't tell nobody, no one will know. But God in heaven is watching and he knows. He's writing everything down. And And we have to give an account when we stand before him. Like a petridge that hatches eggs, it does not lay a, lay uh, like a partridge that hatches eggs. It did not lay. Are those who gain riches by unjust means? When their lives are half gone, their riches will desert them, and in the end, they will prove to be fools. So this is kind of a complex example here. Partridge is referred to a sand grouse. Sandgrouse is a bird that lives in the desert, which invaded and brooded over a nest, not its own. Uh, so, you know, another bird's nest, not its own nest. It, it, it brooded over there, but was forced to leave before the eggs hatched. Uh, it, depict, it depicted a person who unjustly took possession of, a, of things he had no right to, to take and couldn't enjoy the benefits, despite all the effort, right? 
So, you know, the, the wicked person tries to take what doesn't belong to them and didn't even get to enjoy it. They have to leave <laughs> before they can even try to enjoy what they're, you know, uh, doing wrong in the first place. So, um, when their lives are half gone, their riches will desert them. And in the end, they will prove to be fools. So in the end, what does that mean, right? We all have to give an account when we die. But you are either one of the two. One of the two. You are either, and once again, you will hear this, you say this many times, you were either born once and you die twice. You will die this world and then eternally, your spirit, or you were born twice and you die once. You are one of the two. All right. A glorious throne, verse 12, a glorious throne exalted from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. We're just going to go to verse 14. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in dust. They will perish. Because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. So, wow, that is amazing. Uh, uh, you know, and we thank the Lord for his word. Um, you know, his living word is, is, is incredible. Every time you read it, even though you go back and read it over and over again. Uh, and to understand it, but not just to read it, but to understand it is even a greater, greater gift. And so once again, the takeaway, right? Even though we are not good enough and we can never be good enough, Christ Jesus loved us enough to redeem it, redeem those who love and obey Him. And what is our response? Our response is joy. It's rejoicing that those who have been called to be with Him, you know, we, that we are redeemed. We don't have to live a broken life, a, a, a life full of question, anxiety, depression, that if you truly have the Holy Spirit and you have been born again, meaning you denied yourself, picked up your cross, and you chose to follow Him, then you are free. You are free to turn away from sin now and live a new life for Him. And so, you know, rejoice as a response that even though we're not good enough and we can never be, the Lord has chosen to, to, to love us enough to die for our sins so that we do not continue to fall in our own sin. And what a great joy that is. And so with that said, now you know a little bit more about how good is good enough.